This is the Tribune Audio Network. Hi. Hi. Oh my God, we did it together. Ah. <laughs> Welcome to Sip, Survive, and Repeat. I'm Jenny. I'm Danelle. And I'm Kenny. Woo! It's quarantine Great. day 923. Don't even know what day it is. Right. Mm-mm. Does no. it matter? No. No. It, it sure doesn't. So if you're just tuning in, this podcast is about wine, mostly <laughs> survival stories. Mm-hmm. And we repeat it every week. That's so, correct. Sip, survive, repeat, you guys. That's how we came up with the name. It's so clever. Oh um, Jenny, do you want to talk about your your Weight Watchers challenge? Yeah. I'm dying to know. Okay. So uh, if you guys don't know, I started Weight Watchers like, I don't know, a while ago. Like five <laughs> weeks ago? Four yeah, weeks ago? Yeah, sure. It was like a, a little over a month ago, maybe. I don't know. Um, and this week, yesterday... I got on the scale and I'm finally out of the 180s. <gasps> Yay! Like I have been waiting for weeks because the last couple of weeks I haven't been as on top of my stuff and it's been like 180, 181, 183. I was like, I will kill someone if I don't get out of the <laughs> 180s. Like I am so frustrated. And then just out of the blue, I got on the scale and it was like 178.5 and I was like yes. what the fuck and I was very excited so I'm a nine and a half total pounds lost since the beginning wow so that's almost 10 pounds you guys that's incredible amazing, amazing. Yeah. so that was my big benchmark is that I finally got out of the 180s which I've been in for like I don't know probably like two years a year and a half. I don't know. It's been a long time that I've been in the 180s and been kind of ashamed. So, well, now here we welcome are. Welcome to the 170s, honey. Woo! <laughs> Things are looking up. <laughs> How's it going for you, Janelle? So, Jenny needed someone to do it with. So, and I wanted to do it as well. Um, I stepped on the scale Tuesday and I've lost six pounds. Yay! So I'm, which is great. And I had kind of a really bad week last week. Like I ate whatever the fuck I wanted to eat last week. Mm. But then like some days I do really, really good and I'm very like buttoned up with it. And then other days it's just like, nah, everything. Let me eat you. So I I feel like it all is evening out and I am seeing some progress. And I also started like, I typically work out, but I, took like a couple weeks off maybe like four weeks off and I'm back on my like three to four times a week train so that's helping too good good yeah I was just telling Danelle and Kenny before I got on this call I just got back from horseback riding like literally five minutes ago so I am drenched in sweat smell like a horse you don't want to know what my hair looks like it's redunculous and I'm not wearing any pants I didn't tell you guys that part but I'm not wearing any pants (laughs) Like too none. sweaty. Well, oh. I have underwear. I have underwear well, on, but yeah, I'm not wearing pants. But, <laughs> but I have yeah. on a tank top because you know I don't want to be totally vulgar. I mean, I'm sitting in my bed with a blanket and also long pants on. So oh, Jesus, I have long yeah. pants on all day. Yeah, but I did turn off our air conditioning and I'm enjoying the breeze. Yeah, 
in the room and I'm cooling down. It's just the beats by Dre are hot on my ears. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta take those (laughs) pants off for that. (laughs) Kenny, what have you been up to? Pretty much nothing like usual. Okay. Good. Yeah. Oh, I guess one big news officially signed the lease for Kim. (gasps) Yeah. Two days ago. So excited. When is the official move-in date? Uh, my plan is to move in July 17th. I think Ooh. that was the day. Yeah. Awesome. Yay. So exciting. Our Kenny is growing up. Big steps mm. from the Kenny Steinbauer. I know. Yay. That's so exciting. Okay, and so... I really love that neighborhood. So I'm very excited. I oh, I know. Too. I can't wait to live there. It's the best yes. location. I'm a little I'm jealous like... that you're going to be that close to Southside. Oh, I know. I'm going to. And just everything's right there. Much. it's good Um, it's good what are we what are we drinking ladies and gents um i got i i have i've sprouted into another boxed wine oh uh so this is the one that i've talked about before the wine cube and they have them at target i don't know if it's a target thing or if they just have them at target but it's called wine cube and this one is the red blend because i love a red blend um it said something about Aromas of something and cinnamon. That's not very helpful. Juicy fruits and cinnamon. I don't remember. I don't fucking know. I'm in my bedroom where I would look for you. But let's see. It smells delicious. It smells like wine. Hold on. Yeah, it's pretty smooth. Um, Got a little tannins on the end or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So far, I would say Boda Box Red Blend is my favorite. It's called Red Volution then wine cube then for our budget drinkers i would say the winking owl box wine from aldi is decent enough to drink <laughs> now is the black box the same thing as a boda box or is it no. a step up in the boda box it's i think it's about the same as the boda okay. box like as far like as the black value okay. i'm going to that's next on my list at, since i figure i'm going to be in quarantine i'm going to keep drinking box wine but it'll probably be in like a couple episodes because it takes me a hot minute to get through a whole box because it's four bottles yeah, yeah. um the, and I've been trying to, <laughs> to not drink as much when we're not recording slash it's not the weekend but um because I, th- I thought I was turning into an alcoholic there for a minute quarantine yeah I've tried to taper back a lot because it was getting a little hairy there for a while so what are you um, guys drinking I'm drinking one glass of Prosecco because like I said I'm gonna go for a run after this Nice. So I don't remember the brand. It's downstairs, but it's very light and crisp. And I'll probably have a glass after my run because Good. you can't like recork that. No, you really can't. So <laughs> it's really good. It's not too sweet or anything. So. Oh, good. Good. Kenneth? Uh, drinking another hazy IPA. This one's called mm-hmm. Cloud Harvest 2 from Rheingeist. Ooh. Yeah. Sounds good. real refreshing. Very tropical-y. Like pineapple-y, mango-y kind of taste. Mm. It's very good. That sounds really good. Um, I was at Janelle's house last weekend? Yes. yes. Last weekend. Right? Yeah. And I brought the Tropical Truly pack. And so good. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I drank a mango one, and I was like, and seen. I don't want to try any of the other ones. I just want to drink the mango Trulies. So that's what I did the whole night. Although Danelle did also make me a delicious spiked iced tea situation. That was real good. But then the rest of the night, the rest of the night, all I did was drink mango, truly spiked seltzers. 
Yeah, yeah. those are so good. And that, yeah, the mango stuff was really good too. Mm-hmm. I've I had those mango before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have I had not had mm-hmm. the um the tropical before. And when Kenny said trap like there was tropical flavors in his beer, I was like, oh yeah, those truly's were really good. <laughs> Me and Kim uh just tried a new hard seltzer, the Vizies, the ones with vitamins in it. Oh. And they are by far my favorite ones, better than White Claws, Truly's, anything. Yeah, their flavors Ooh. are like cherry lime, pomegranate blueberry, pineapple mango, strawberry mm. kiwi, I think was the other one. Oh, they're okay. all delicious. Okay. Definitely I'm worth not, trying. I'm not okay. against that. No. Uh, where, do you have to go to a special place to buy these, or do they just have them everywhere? I saw it at Giant Eagle. So Okay. What are they called right. again? Vizzy. Vizzy, okay. Like huh. fizzy with a V. Yeah, oh. check that out. Weird. Okay. And you get some vitamin C, you know, so. Why not? Great. We all got to build up the immunity right now. Pandemic, pandemic. Uh, I don't, as as a very Caucasian podcast, I don't want to talk too much about, because I feel like I'll talk out of turn, but I did just want to say, um, based on what's happening in the world with all the rioting and the um, Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. I just wanted to encourage people, if you can buy from a uh, Black-owned or person of color-owned business, um, go ahead and do that right now. Go ahead and do that all the time. It's, I think, important to support people right now, no matter what. Agree. Agree. Yeah. There's lots of lists out there you can find, too. Like, I found one that was, like, beauty products, because I'm like, how can I buy from people if I don't know who owns what? You can just look it up on Google, you guys. That's what it's for. Right. Good job, Kenny. Or Jenny. I agree with you. <laughs> Sorry. Kenny, cut that out. Oh. oh, Lord. Kenny, you can just cut that whole part out. Keeping it in. God it damn it. <laughs> okay, okay, who wants to go first this week? I feel like Jenny should go first since okay. I've been going first the last few times. Okay. Well, mine isn't, mine's kind of shortsy and it's, I kept it fairly light. I mean, it's a survival story, but I kept it fairly light just because last week was aggressive for me. It was, yeah, it was good, but aggressive. Yeah. Like I was uncomfortable during, after. <laughs> okay. Plus I want to get it over with so I can relax and listen to your story. Cause I'm, ah, yeah. Cause I'm still sweating from horseback riding. Um, okay. So my story is about a teenage girl who voluntarily went into a septic tank to save a toddler. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Don't go into septic tanks, but That's this was kind of like, it was needed. Okay. So. Madison so wait, Williams. sorry, sidebar. Yes. A septic yes. tank. What is that exactly? Is that like one of those big giant tanks on the side of your house? Or is this like in the ground? Usually a septic in tank the is in the ground. That's what yeah, I thought. A, okay. A septic tank, we have one at our house in beautiful Columbia Station. Uh they're in the ground, and instead of your waste going to like a city water treatment plant, mm-hmm. it all goes into the septic tank and there's like bacteria in there that like eats your shit and stuff and like and breaks it down in the tank and you have to get it like serviced regularly that's what i thought and then they like pump it out and stuff right yeah it's like an underground shithole 
literally in like rural areas yes yes got it okay page yep okay um all right so madison williams was studying in her bedroom in dublin ohio shout out ohio uh it was august of 2016 so it wasn't that long ago and while she was studying her door busted open and her mom came in and her mother her mother's name was lee and lee said you have to come quick. There's a little boy who fell into a septic tank and no one can reach him. Oh, my God. And then the mother looked at her 13-year-old daughter, Madison, and said, can you help? Oh, God. <laughs> so Madison and her mom, Lee, ran to the neighbor's yard. And that's where they found uh, the little boy's mother and a bunch of frantic adults all surrounding the opening of the septic tank. So... Since I know we just kind of described what it is, but like your septic tank, it only protrudes a few inches above the lawn. Like it's okay. not. And then there's supposed to be like <clears throat> a fairly heavy lid is supposed to cover. And I'm going to go uh, at the end of this since it's short. I have some septic tank safety tips for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the septic tank only protrudes out a little bit and there's like a lid on it. Well, either the lid wasn't attached correctly or the lid was too light and the little boy got it off. Um, but it was only 11 inches in diameter. And if oh. you guys are like, what is that? 11 inches is slightly wider than a basketball. Yikes. I'm like, I'm making a basketball with my hands right now to try and figure out how big that is. So it's very small. Um, oh, and it says the hatch had not been secured. So the little boy was only two. Oh, sweet baby. Oh, And he slipped and he was drown and he was drowning in four feet of sewage. What? Okay. Okay. So the septic tank was a total of eight feet tall. And it was filled halfway, so four feet worth of sewage. Oh my god. Which is like god. all the shit from this house and toilet paper and all the bullshit you flush down the toilet is in the septic tank. That's where it goes. So disgusting. Um, so there were um the adults that were kind of nearby, they had just been a couple minutes earlier. They were enjoying a party at a nearby home when they heard this little boy's mother start screaming. And the first thing they did is they dropped an extension cord. I assume not plugged in. Let's assume. Hopefully not. Uh, in, they dropped it in, hoping that the child would grab a hold so they could pull him out. But again, he's two. I was going to say he's two. He's not going to know any better. And it's four feet tall, which is much taller than a two-year-old, unless the yeah. two-year-old is real tall. So okay. this poor child can't swim. He's in, like, a shit bath. And they're trying to, like, get him to grab a hold of something. And he doesn't understand. So not the best situation. So Madison, the 13-year-old, looks around, and she is the only one who is small enough to fit through the opening. Oh, God. Ugh. So without hesitation, she laid down on her belly, and she got right next to the opening, placed her arms out in front of her, and she told the adults to hold her feet and lower her in. Garf. I mean, for a 13-year-old to be able, I mean, when you're 13, I would... I was a brat. I would be like, am I going in there? Well, maybe I would have saved someone's life, but I know she, it sounds like she didn't even think twice about it and just no. right in. Her mom and some of the others held her waist and legs. And she said she had to wiggle her arms and shoulders um, to get through the opening. I'm like, Oh God, what if you get stuck? I know. So this is just stuck in there and your body's stuck in there. 
God. She said that the tank was really dark, and I was like, Abby. But then she was like, and the air was putrid. And I was like, also Abby. Yeah. Because it's <laughs> that is full of shit, girl. And then um, she lit a lighter. And then she... And then the whole thing exploded. Um, So she thrust her arms into the muck. And this is bad. She actually, she didn't know that there was stuff in the tank. So she actually jammed her left wrist against a concealed pole that was in the, like, shitstorm. And she injured the muscles in her wrist so severely that her hand was basically useless. Oh. Like, she didn't break it, but she, like, definitely fucked up some muscles pretty bad. It's not good. So now she just has one arm and a very tight squeeze to try and save this little boy. So she doesn't tend to her injury. She just knows that she has to get the little boy out. So she starts skimming the surface of the sewage to try and feel for the submerged boy. Because at this point, he's under the Jeez. She said every, this is so sad, every once in a while, I'd see his little toes pop out of the water. Oh, oh my God. And I was like, no, baby toes are the cutest! Um, and she said she would try and grab them. And she said minutes were ticking by, and then she'd see the faint outline of the foot again. And she said she finally shot her hand in, get, grasped the foot, and said, pull me up. So people were pulling, but then the boy's other foot that she hadn't grabbed got stuck under the inside of the lip of the hatch. And so she was like, no, no, wait, lower me back down. So like now he's kind of like stuck cattywampus. She's holding his one foot. The other foot is stuck under something. So she said she had to like wiggle his foot until it came free. So um, it was about 10 minutes after she had entered the tank that she and the little boy, who was two, were lifted out. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah. Um, so he had been deprived of oxygen for obviously a very long time. Um, so he wasn't breathing. So they placed him on his side and one of the adults gave him several hard whacks on the back. I was like, whoa, aggressive. But I guess that's what you have to do. I was thinking more like CPR, but hey, that's so what I was I. thinking. Is that okay. so they just whacked him on the back a bunch of times until he coughed up a bunch of fluids and probably some shit and poop. Mostly. Uh, so Madison started hearing him cry at this point, and she knew that he was all right. So I was like, yay. Shockingly, it took Madison longer to recover than the boy. The little boy was taken to the hospital and released that same night. Wow. Damn, little kids are resilient. And I wonder, like, if they were, they're probably worried about, like, internal infections and stuff with all that poop being in his body and, You think, but maybe they could flush that out. Like, I don't know. No pun intended. (laughs) Maybe they could flush it out. (laughs) that's a dad joke okay um but she had to have months of physical therapy for her wrist which she hurt so bad when she jammed it into the all the muck um and one of the neighbors mary holly said that made the girl's actions all the more impressive she said madison's a hero what other teenage girl is going to voluntarily go into a septic tank no one exactly so that is the story of Miss Madison, who is truly a hero for saving this two-year-old. And uh, they're both survivors in my mind. Because she could have gotten stuck. Shit could have gone wrong, literally. Yeah. No, that's that's a great little story because it's a nice, a light, refreshing, you know, yes, little that's story. That's what I needed. Versus last week. 
Okay, so I just, this is hilarious, but it is important because we might have some people listening who have septic tanks. So I just want to go through the eight life-saving septic tank safety tips that you might need. Listen up, people. Listen. Use a sturdy septic tank lid and mark off its location. This was part of the problem with the septic tank is that the lid was not secured properly and it was not marked properly, which means that this little boy slipped inside of it. So I can tell you our septic tank has like concrete lids, like aggressive, heavy lids. Yeah, don't Um, be using that bullshit like wood over it or something like that. Don't put a Frisbee over it and think it's going to be fine. Okay? (laughs) Don't put a tin trash can lid over it. It God damn it. (laughs) <laughs> okay don't oh shit what did i do <laughs> god damn it don't lean over the tank opening <laughs> don't lean don't. over the tank opening because the gases that are coming out of it could be enough to knock you out and make you fall oh in. god and so guys, it's gonna stink so don't yeah, do it don't stop <laughs> trying to sniff your septic tank okay don't try to smell your own shit don't ignite flames near the septic Methane gas, which is produced by the contents of the septic tank, is explosive, as is sometimes your shit. So <laughs> that's how you can remember it. My shit is explosive sometimes. Methane gas is always explosive. Okay? Great. <laughs> be, be alert to shock and electrical wire hazards. What? Uh, if you're going to dig outside, you have to watch for buried electrical or mechanical lines. Breaking through these lines by a septic system can be very dangerous. Like, what if you cause a spark and then let's go back to the methane gas, which is very explosive. Mm, mm-hmm. mm. um, okay. Do not enter or retrieve someone from a tank unless your name is oh. Madison and you are the size of a basketball. Just kidding. But you should, you really shouldn't do that. But uh, in an emergency situation like this one, I think it, it was okay. Anyway. Never work alone around a septic tank. Because again, you lean over, you fall in, and you're alone. You're probably not coming out. Seems dangerous. Yeah. Well, and again, the gases in there are so bad that... Because mm. again, there there's like... there a more modern way to do this? I feel like it's... Yes. It's called sewage, like sewer pipes. But in the country, we don't have that. We'll so... get them. What is your deal, you country folk? They're, ma- they're making us here in Columbia Station, but we haven't... Are they? We haven't yet. We were supposed to get it by the uh, by 2018. It's now 2020. Me and my husband still don't have it because we were like, nah, that costs a lot. Okay. You have to look out for unsanitary conditions um, because if you're working near there, there's a lot of bacteria that's helping break down the shit. Uh, if it gets into a cut, it can cause really bad infections. Mm-hmm. Also, do not drive over your septic system because heavy machinery can compress the ground and put too much stress on the system. Um, repairs to broken pipes can be costly. So if you break it, you bought it, as my dad would say. Um, <laughs> so you have to take all these right precautions, keep your family safe around septic. Uh, if you've never been near a septic system before, just stay the fuck away. Uh, if you live in the country like me, uh, these are helpful tips. So that is and the story and the septic safety tips. And this has been sponsored by the Northeast Ohio Sewer District. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we actually we have the Northeast Ohio Sewer District for like our running water and stuff, but we have the Lorraine Rural something like water system or I don't even know. This is and sponsored by Lorraine Rural Water Systems because they service our septic bullshit. So there you go. 
Who knew? I didn't, know what a, I didn't even know what a septic tank was. So there you go. There you go. It is a real shit show. <laughs> I can, you guys, the puns can't stop when I'm talking about poop. Let's let's move on to my story. Let's. let's. Um. So my survivor, his name is May Cool, and oh, is he pretty cool? He's very cool. Okay. Um, this takes place in March 2017. He's 25 years old. And he's from Chile. Mm. Um, and he decides to take a little trip to Madidi. Sure, I'm not saying that right. National Park in... Where's our number one audience, everybody? Bolivia! Bolivia! Oh, oh my God, you guys. Shout Bolivia. Out to Bolivia. Bolivia, you guys are really killing the game. We are You're like number... It up for us. I feel like we're number like 60 something on the charts there. So that's right. So this story is dedicated to Bolivia. So damn Gina, you're really playing to the audience. I really am. So I like it. He decided to take just a casual visit to this national park in the Bolivian Amazon, which mm. is obviously the Amazon rainforest. So um, this place has vast rivers and mountainous terrains, a lot of crevasses. <laughs> um, thick blanket of we should try to insert the word crevasse into every episode in some way, shape, or form. I think it's a great idea. Okay, Kenny's like, So, Kenny's <laughs> like, It's more shit I have to edit. Do um, whatever you guys got to do. I mean, if it's gonna get more people in Bolivia listening, I'm down with the get down. Maybe we'll do our first show there. You never know. Um, mm. So at night, a thick blanket of fog creeps through the trees. Obviously, I didn't write this part. This is from National Geographic. <laughs> and it's very, I have a visual. I have a visual. I liked it. I kept it in. So the locals say that the jungle can swallow you in a second. Venture too far and you may never find your way back. So really quickly, some facts about the Amazon rainforest in case you wanted to know. I did. Um, it's, it's located in South America. It covers 2.1 million square miles of land. Mm-hmm. Most of the Amazon is in Brazil, uh, about 60%. Peru has a large percentage, and Colombia has about 10%, while other countries like Bolivia have very small parts of the rainforest, but they're still part of their borders. So altogether, nine nations enjoy the Amazon rainforest. Yay! But here are the most dangerous animals in the Amazon rainforest, because that was oh. my next question. I don't know if these are in order, but number one is a poison dart frog. Oh, God. Number two is a green anaconda. Number three is a jaguar. I think it's pronounced jaguar. Jaguar. (laughs) Number four is an electric eel. Number five is a red belly piranha. Number six is a rattlesnake. And number seven, a South American rattlesnake. Number seven is a Brazilian wandering spider. Sounds terrifying. And number eight is the bullet ant. So those are oh, all an the ant. Kill you. Yeah. God damn it. So okay. I think if this list is in order from most dangerous, I would think the poison dart frog, I would have never guessed that. But okay. So many tourists who visit this specific national park, um, which is considered the crown jewel of Bolivia, Mm-hmm. Um, do so to go on excursions or like explore the jungle. Like they go there to visit the Amazon. Um, and at this point, there hasn't been a single visitor gone missing over the last 15 years until now. Dun, dun, dun. So 
the park rangers first received the word that the 25-year-old 25-year-old um Maycool had suddenly disappeared within the confines of the park and he vanished mysteriously and they didn't really have any more details so a witness's murky account transmitted by the radio said that Maycool was last seen sitting on the steps of his cabin around 8:30 p.m. the night before and he had been on a rainforest tour with Max Adventures. So imagine like when you go to Jamaica or like, like I know when I went to Jamaica, we did this like tour group thing where they take you to like this waterfall and you hike up this big unnecessary waterfall, which was terrifying. Or you do like a canoeing trip. So it's, you know, there are guides there. It's a safe way to explore the area. So he had signed up for this tour group called Max Adventures. It's a local agency. And um, he just disappeared from their campground without leaving a single trace behind. Um, the area where Max Adventures was located, like the lodge area, it was very quaint. It was filled with hammocks and dining, um, patio furniture, large wooden cabins for visitors to stay in. So it seems kind of it seems kind of like legit and nice. So he was camping up there by himself, and. For the rangers that were on duty, Maycole's bizarre disappearance was reminiscent of a famous case from 1981 when um, an Israel tourist was stranded in the same rainforest for three weeks. And also, um, this was more than 30 years ago, so it was around, it was by the same river, the same area, everything. So it really just kind of shook a nerve with them because they remember Mm -hmm. how how like scary this was and three weeks is a long time in the rainforest and um it wasn't an easy extraction to get him out of there and find him so they they were just really nervous they had no idea where he was so to backtrack a little bit Maycool had woke up that morning and he signed up for a tour with the max adventures where he was staying um with other travelers and um after the group went into the rainforest for the tour that afternoon to explore um, with the guides, Maycole returned to the camp acting noticeably strange. So it sounds mm. like the guide took everybody out and mm-hmm. he kind of worked his way back to the camp. And he was a very just acting strange and very flustered and just not really himself. And they noticed it. But they um, were just out on a tour? Like, it wasn't like... Yeah. So he It wasn't like a weird tour with like... No, it was just spookies or anything. (laughs) No, no, which it'll explain in the story of their theory. So, Mm. the owner of the Max Adventure place noticed his behavior and he wanted to keep tabs on him a little bit. So, um, after everyone else got back from the tour, they invited all the tourists at the lodge to participate in a it's called um, a panchama ceremony. I'm sure I'm sure I'm not saying it right, but it's some type of ceremony. It's a tradition and it involves candles and cigarettes and cocoa leaves, mm. which I'll get into that any day. Um, mm-hmm. And essentially mm-hmm. it's to think uh, it's to thank the Panchama or Mother Earth for giving them permission to enter the forest. So it's a cultural like ritual that they do in appreciation for the jungle and letting them explore the jungle. And they're very superstitious and they believe in this mother earth. Um, it's not a spirit, but it's just a, uh, I don't know how to like a story or whatever. Right. Um, so when May Cole was asked to join the ceremony alongside the rest of the group, they're like, Hey, come join us. Like it's, it's a tradition. We do it with every group tour. He refused. 
Mm. So not only did he leave the group tour early and head back to the camp alone, um, he's now refusing to join the ceremony alongside everybody else. So Mm. the guides and everyone else at the the camp and the other tourists actually took this refusal. um, They were very offended by it. Mm -hmm. So uh, Bolivian people view the rainforest as a powerful place filled with mystical entities, uh, good and evil. And by refusing to be a part of the ceremony, it it shows much disrespect. Um, And they say that if you disrespect the Panchamia, um, she could let you be driven mad by Duenda, which I did look up how to pronounce, um, Mm -hmm. which is an evil spirit who hides as victims in another dimension. Okay, so let me back up. So you have Panchamia, Mm -hmm. which is like this like earth god or whatever, like a good mother earth and then you every have time you bad... say that when you say pantomima it reminds me of aunt jemima so in my <laughs> head i'm imagining I'm mother picturing... earth but she looks like fucking aunt jemima i mean aunt jemima is very like attractive a, not even attractive she's very motherly like so i could see that mm-hmm. like just picture you know and then you have duenda which is mm-hmm. this evil like gnome spirit so i looked up duenda i googled it and it showed this like little troll-like creature so Mm. okay so if you disrespect mother earth then duenda is gonna come for your ass and take you to another dimension so this is their culture this is their belief this is just their way okay um so when a guide had returned uh to his cabin to um make cool's cabin to check on him because he was like i don't want to do the ceremony i'm just gonna go back to my room peace out um he was nowhere to be found so again, they were kind of keeping an eye, an eye on him. That's why they had gone to check on him and everything. And the amount of time that had passed between when Maykul had last been seen to when someone went to look for him was only five minutes. So then a short period of time and he was gone. Um, they checked every inch of the lodge. The group headed into the rainforest that night with flashlights. They searched until five in the morning to no avail. And Maykul had seemed to completely vanished. He was gone. And the guides and even local police officers and everybody that lived in the area basically said that he disappeared because he offended Panchamia mm-hmm. and, um, and he didn't want to participate in the ceremony. So they said, and I quote, for myself and the Rangers, this is our culture. We believe that um, the evil, we believe in the evil spirits and we think it's possible that May Cole was taken by them. So, desperate for help, the guides called two well-known shamas and asked them to bring Maykul back. And the shamas arrived at the lodge carrying three blocks of sugar. Listen to this party. Three blocks of sugar, cigarettes, cigarettes, cans of beer, Mm -hmm. cocoa leaves, wine bottles, candles, sparkling confetti, and a large wooden cross. You guys, this sounds amazing. All materials they would need to breach the spiritual domain. It is also what you need to breach the Jenny domain and a party domain in anyone's mind. You had me at wine and cigarettes, even though I don't smoke. You Um, had me at some sort of like sparklies. Yeah, no, sparklies. (laughs) Sparkles. Confetti. (laughs) Confetti. Sparkle confetti. They believe that the evil spirit, the Duenda, had been harnessing the energy of the area and wanted to hide and make cool. So the, um, the people like the, the sh- uh, shamans said that he's far away in a place we can't reach, but 
they, um, but by completing payments in the form of intricate ceremonies, they explained, they would finally be able to call my cool soul back into this dimension. It oh would my. only be then that he could be found in the forest. Oh so you have two sets of thinking here. So then Maykul's family flies in, his stepmother, his sister, and his dad, and they're hearing all this like, oh my gosh, like the rangers are going out looking for him, but we also have these, um, you know, shaman trying to connect spiritually to bring him back. They think he's in another dimension. Like they're, you know, they were very appreciative, but I think they were also like, what is happening? Um, right. Over the next week, the rangers and guides search for eight to 10 hours a day, okay. each day in a different section of the rainforest. The shaman worked just as hard staying up until dawn every single night, making payment after payment to the Panchama, but to no end, they could not find the slightest sign of him. It was like, he was never there at all. So everyone's wow. basically busting their ass looking for this guy and he's just gone, disappeared. So maybe there is something to this. Um, so the guides were growing restless. The family increasingly worried. The rangers, uh, many, of who, many of them were experienced trackers and couldn't believe they had not found a single shred of evidence. And they had never experienced anything like this. Um, so after six tormenting days of his disappearance, a breakthrough came in. And one of the rangers found a lone muddy sock on the rainforest floor. floor. Um, when it was taken back to... The guides and the family uh, confirmed that it was exact that it was his sock, but mm. for the shaman, the sock changed everything. It was uh -oh. the window into Meku's soul, a way to reach him on a spiritual plane and call him back to reality. But they knew they were running out of time, so Meku had already spent a week in the rainforest with very little food or water, and they weren't sure how much longer he would be able to survive. Um, after two more sleepless nights praying to Panchamela. Or Aunt Jemima. Aunt Sorry. Jemima. I don't want to be offensive to anybody, so. I know, um, but I, every time you say it, I just think about pancakes now. But go ahead. Um, the shaman. My earth, that's what my earth revolves around, is pancakes. <laughs> Sugar. Um, the, the shaman claimed that their payments had been accepted, and they were finally able to make contact with Meku's soul. The Ooh. sock made it much easier for us to reach him, the shaman said, and Meku's mm. liberation had begun. And they swore he would, they swore they would start finding more signs of him in the coming days. Dun, dun, dun. Oh the next God. morning, the rangers were docking at the lodge when they heard screams coming from down the river. They rushed mm. towards the cries and they could not believe what they found. Mekul was alive. What? So the day after, the shaman said, we've reached a soul. We're going to bring him back. We're going to find more signs of him. The next day they find him whoa crazy okay. and it's all because of his sock it's all because of his sock well there's a little there's another cool part to this that i'm about to get to which actually drew me to the story um they couldn't believe that they found that he was alive he'd survived nine days in the rainforest and it's funny because or it's weird because they had found him less than a mile away from the max adventures campground hmm. doesn't make sense i mm -hmm. mean they had scoured every area Right. Um, he was in very weak condition. Um, you know, spending nine days in the rainforest had left him dehydrated. His skin was ravaged by bite and bot flies, oh. which essentially lay eggs in your skin no. and oh. like they hatch in your body. Yeah. It's gross. Oh. Um, spines in his feet, like little prickers or big prickers. 
Um, and his mm. feet and ankles were painfully swollen, but his mind was working just fine. In fact, the first thing he said he wanted was a Coca-Cola. Mm. Um, if it, is it, do you think it's the real Mac or like, I know it's not Mexico, it's but the like real shit with the cane sugar. The yeah. Oh, they, don't good. Our, they don't mess around with our garbage. They don't mess around um, with our corn syrup. Exactly. Anyway, sorry, off track. Um, so he was brought back to the camp and reunited with his family. But okay, here's what made me love the story. So Maykul then described his journey and said that he survived by following a group of monkeys who dropped him fruit and led him to shelter and water every single day. Oh my god, that's the cutest that was the thing headline. I've ever heard. So that was the headline in National Geographic because I specifically looked up survivor stories in Bolivia because I wanted to do a shout out to Bolivia. Damn and straight. This then I saw the monkeys that helped him and led him to food and shelter and water. And I was like, oh my god, I have to do this story. So um I'm sure I botched a lot of it up, but whatever. <laughs> so as he said, as time dragged on, the elements began to take his, the toll, his, you know, a toll on him. The mosquitoes were eating him alive, and and he was starting to starve because you can only live on fruit for so long. Yeah, um, I mean that's the fruit is just going to give you a lot of diarrhea eventually. Yeah, exactly. And no offense to monkeys, but I'm sure they're going to be offended by this. They also <laughs> pee on a lot of the fruit, and it can make you really <laughs> sick too. So yeah, yeah. What? I also I so, have a book. I, hold on, pause. I have a book here about poo uh they're like books with flaps and you open it and it talks about all the different ways animals poo and it talks about how monkeys like to play with their poo yeah they no, i'm not saying all monkeys they... but i'm just saying some according lots to this children's book this episode lots of what shit talk. talk yes yeah <laughs> um so the interest like i know some people don't believe in like spirits and stuff like that the only weird thing i will say is when Maykul was talking about what happened, like how, like what, how did he disappear? He said that um, strange, terrible thoughts had become to creep into his mind out of the blue. Oh, and he said he had an irresistible urge to get out of the rainforest. So remember when they were all hiking and he was just like, I got to get out of here. And yeah. he went back to the cabin and then he just like took off. He mm -hmm. said, he said, I just, I, I started running. I was wearing sandals and I said, no, they would slow me down. So he threw away the sandals and then the cell phone and then his flashlight. And after running so much, I stopped under a tree and I started thinking, what had I done? What was I doing? And when I wanted to go back, it wasn't possible. So oh, it, it's really weird. So his mind kind of drove him crazy and he just took off in the rainforest. Um, Maykul's rescuers maintain that the belief that they believe that the duenda drove him temporarily insane, lured mm -hmm. him into another dimension, and his behavior fits all of the signs, they say. Um, the, the maddening thoughts, um, his strange disappearance, and just wanting to take off. Um, and though Maykul isn't completely sure what happened to him, that night he says his near-death experience in the jungle is something that he'll never forget and has changed his life. And that's the story of Maykul, who survived nine days in the Amazon. Oh, my God. Crazy. And monkeys helped him. So. Yikes. I love that monkeys helped him. That's the cutest thing I've ever heard. I love and that I'm... that was the headline to draw you in. And yes. then when I started reading, I was like, wait, what? 
You're like, Aunt Jemima, I don't understand what's happening here. I'm like, I'm going to pronounce all these things wrong, and it's going to be amazing. I just love that you pandered to our Bolivian audience. Congratulations. I just wanted to give them a shout out. You're the best. Yeah, I think we're going to have to do a live show down there, and I don't even know how to get there. So you guys in Bolivia, let us know how we get there. Let us let us know on that. Obviously, okay. after the pandemic. Uh, Kenny, right. would you like to tell us some weird news? Yeah, I'm switching it up to a different one to go along with the poop talk. Goes along with it better. <laughs> yes. So, uh, doctors in China removed what from a man's rectum after he, quote, accidentally sat on it? Oh, God. Was it a Coke bottle? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> was it Can an I just ancient tell you... piece okay, of poop? Oh, God. Oh. What did you say oh. to them? An ancient piece of poop. Okay. I'll, I'll let Jenny tell her story, then I'll tell you what it is. Well, I was just going to say, if you stick a bottle up your butt, and I, this is not from personal experience, I just I feel like I read about oh it God. somewhere, or I, like watched a show about it, because I'm gross and watch shows about this. Um... If you put a bottle up there without the cap on, it creates suction, you guys. And then okay. when you try and pull it out, the suction stops it from being pulled out. Good so don't, stick, don't stick bottles up your butt without the cap on. I mean, don't stick bottles I, up your butt in general. But I feel like the I cap thought, is already bad news scraping yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I'm, I guess I'm talking about even plastic ones can cause suction. I thought Kenny was going to say next. You're right, Jenny. <laughs> uh, they found a fish. They had to remove a fish from his no. rectum. No. Why? Why? Because how did it get up there? Quote, he accidentally sat on it. No. <laughs> fish, fish don't swim upstream except for salmon. No. Uh, okay. So so. Blue tilapia fish, which is uh-huh. 30 millimeters to 40 millimeters long. Uh-huh. So I think that's about 10 inches, if I'm right. Is that right? right? Yeah, I'm going to guess it was frozen. It was shoved up there, and then he couldn't get it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. wait. Never mind. 30 millimeters is... Did I read that right? I guess it's not that big. It's only like an inch. Yeah, but... Well, like- Centimeters, sorry, not millimeters, centimeters. Yeah. Oh, okay, 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 okay. It was definitely, oh, yep, about 14 inches. Wow. More than a foot. That's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that shit was frozen. He shoved it up there. It unfroze, and he couldn't get it out. That's what happened. I think he was swimming innocently in a river, and it just (laughs) shot up his butthole, and that's how it happened. I don't think that's what tilapia do, but if you guys know about tilapia, why don't you let us know? I know they're bottom feeders. I know that I did. The puns are really flowing today. Oh, shit. Oh, love it. Love it. Well, this has been an interesting episode of Sip, Survive, Repeat. Mm. Thanks for listening. We hope you guys will come back next week, especially you Bolivians. And uh, yeah, make sure you tune in Thursday for our weird news shorts. Because we get real weird. More hey, bye. weird than today. Bye. Yeah. Bye.